Good morning. Happy Father's Day, dads. I want to read... uh, I want to read from the sacred scriptures or from the sacred text of dad jokes to get us started. You know, there is a difference between a dad joke and a bad joke, right? You know what the difference is? The first letter. But I'm bum bum. All right, let me read a few more here. This will bless your heart. This will get us ready for the Holy Spirit. A man goes to the eye doctor because he's having vision trouble. When he enters, the receptionist asks him why he's there. The man complains, well, I keep seeing spots in front of my eyes. The receptionist asks, have you ever seen a doctor before? And the man replies, no, just spots. (laughs) Oh, those are good. Those are so good. Let's read this one here. A man gets into a parked taxi cab. He taps the driver on the shoulder to tell the driver the address he's going to. The driver screams. (laughs) After composing himself, the driver says, don't ever do that again. You scared the daylights out of me passenger apologizes. I'm so sorry, but didn't you know I was going to get in and tell you where to go? Driver said, it's not your fault. Today's my first day as a cab driver. I've been driving our hearse for the last 25 years. (laughs) Those aren't quite dad joke material, though. Here's dad joke material. What part of the car is the laziest? The wheels, they're always tired. Tired. Man. How do you stop a dog from barking in the back of a car? Put him in the front. Mm. One more here. Why did the banana go out with the prune? Because he couldn't find a date. That's good. And some history jokes. Why did Stalin only write in lowercase? Because he hated capitalism. Yeah, those are real good. Lord Jesus, bless the reading of these jokes in Jesus' name. (laughs) Oh, goodness. All right. Let's get our Bibles out. Let's get our Bibles out and go somewhere. Where does the Lord want us to go? Let's go to Matthew or Mark chapter 6. Megan gave a little bit of a highlight of where we've been. Um, honestly, for the last three months, we've been in a, a season of exploring mission and evangelism and what that means. It kind of began with my time in Nepal, gave a report on that. The Lord moved me into a season of just exploring what it means to be a great commission church. So we spent some time talking about, about, about the state of missions in the world, the state of missions in Lexington, gave some challenges there. Several of us then in May went to Kansas City to an event called The Send, which was very powerful. That just stoked our fires even more. And we came back and the Lord called us to do some some nights of evenings of personal evangelism. That's the heaven sent that we've talked about on Wednesday. Um, And we've just, we've seen God moving in such amazing ways as we've said yes to him. And then last week was fire. And my, I'm just, I'm angry that the devil got in the details of technology. We weren't able to record the live stream from last week. It was so good. Colin Willis talked about confronting fear, fear that gets in the way of what God's called us to do. Um, and so we're, we're just, we're pushing ahead with, with this. But um, in the midst of this um, urgency that I'm presenting to the church for 
evangelism and supernatural ministry, I want to temper all of that too with an invitation um, to to be in a to be in rhythm with the Lord, to not be out of sync with the Lord, and I. I'm saying that because just I feel like even in the last year I have wrestled with the rhythm, with the sync, being in sync with with being in the Lord. Just all of us have come out of two years of of extraordinary difficulty, a lot of disruption. I don't need to talk about 2020, and we still are feeling the effects of that. We're still feeling uh, the effects of of especially in in economics and with the price and the inflation of everything happening. A lot of of changes, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of anxiety that's still heavy upon people, heavy upon God's people. And we feel this sort of pull um, to to isolate and this pull to self-protect. I have felt that. I have faced that in the last year with the year that I've had in my own family and the losses that I've experienced. Just this struggle to feel like I'm not really in sync with what the Lord wants. And I want to encourage you that the answer is not always just to push ahead and do more. I want to, I want to just encourage you from the Lord that, that it's okay to say no at times and to step away at times. Because I'm, I'm, this is the word that Jesus has given to, to the church. It's not from me. You know, our mission is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Our calling is a marathon. That means we pace ourselves. That means sometimes we take water breaks. Sometimes we just got to sit, you know. So on our own team, we've given permission to, 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 to shift if we need to shift and take some time off. We're taking the month of July um, off from, from Wednesday nights yeah, and from staff meeting. Meg and I will be gone for a couple weeks there um, and others will be traveling and summer's a good time to do that. So I don't, want you, um, I don't want you to feel that this push for evangelism is, is kind of, you know, just me coming at you, you know, relentlessly. Um, we're, all, we're all in this together. We're all calling to pace ourselves. So let me just encourage you from, from Mark chapter 6 with, with just a, a beautiful story in, in the ministry of Jesus. I, I hope it will encourage you because it encourages me. And, um, and then we'll just we'll, we'll bless one another and... Go home. Will that be okay? So I don't title messages very often, but I'll title this one, Come Away versus Send Them Away. Come Away versus Send Them Away. And we're going to read from Mark chapter 6, beginning in verse 30. We've been in, we've been in Mark 6, also Luke 7. They're telling the same story. The beginning of Mark 6 and the beginning of Luke 9, or Luke 7 rather, Um, or rather Luke 9, rather, we've been talking a lot about this where Jesus equips the 72 to go out and to do kingdom ministry. That's been one of the foundational verses of our church. It's certainly been a foundational story in this season. God has equipped you for supernatural ministry. You have the same power that the apostles had to do the ministry of Jesus. Frankly, you have the same power that Jesus had to do the ministry of Jesus. And Jesus has mandated and commissioned you and I in the church to go out, to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cast out demons and those kind of things. So in, in Mark chapter 6, here we see Mark's version of this story where he goes around and he sends out the 12. And he calls them and he sends them out to do that. And I want you to, to, to note something here. Um, he says this, his instructions to them, 
at the beginning of Mark 6 are this. He sends them out two by two. So there's that relational aspect like we've done. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Pay attention to that. That's important for the story that I'm going to read in a moment. So he calls them to really be just pared down to nothing more than their testimony in the power of the Holy Spirit inside of them. Don't take bread, don't take money, don't take a bag, don't have supplies. All you have is a staff and all you have is the testimony that you have in the power of the Holy Spirit in you. No bread, no money. Y'all say no bread, no money, nothing at all. Okay, so they're going out, they're doing these things. The Bible says they go out, they preach that people should repent. They drove out many demons, anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. That's awesome. You know, and they come back, they're all excited about this. Luke tells us they come back and they give report. And this is where Jesus, you know, reminds them, hey, don't let your identity be in ministry. Let your identity be in me. You know, don't rejoice that the demons are subject to your name, but rather rejoice that your name is written in the lamps and your name's written in heaven. In other words, this is good, but this is not who you really, really are. It's what you're doing, but who you are is my children, my sons and my daughters. So Mark tells the story again. Then Mark inserts this story about John the Baptist being executed. And it's a lengthy story, verse 14 to 20. It's 14 verses, and it's really, really important for the context of where Jesus is emotionally and psychologically. Keep in mind who John the Baptist is. He is Jesus' cousin, brother from another mother. It's his cousin. They are biological cousins. Mary and Elizabeth were cousins. Mary, the mother of Jesus and Elizabeth. So Jesus and John grew up together you know, I've got, I've got a big family. I've got like, like 28 cousins. I got lots of them. You know, I don't live near them, but whenever we get together, it's like we never separated. We're just that close. And Jesus and John were, you know, they were, they were just close and, and they served in ministry.
And he says, at any cost, I'm going to get away and refuel with my father. Even if it means that I don't get to heal people today. Think about that. Think about all the people that didn't get healed on the day that Jesus wasn't there. All the ministry that he didn't do because he was away. Yet if that's essential for Jesus, how much more is it for us? And so here he is at the end of six. He sent the 72 out. Don't take anything with you. No money, no bread, none of those things. They come back. They're celebrating. Word gets back to him that his cousin has died. Jesus says, okay, it's time for a timeout. We've got to have retreat. We need a little bit of getaway, y'all. Let's go. So he calls the 12 with him. It says this. They gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then, this is in Mark 6, verse 31. Then, because so many people were coming and going, that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me. I got to read that. I got I to I talk about that a little bit more. So, the disciples are coming back, but apparently they're not alone because power of God attracts people. So undoubtedly, these 12 are coming back, and undoubtedly, there's other crowds that have heard about it, and they said, you know, where, where's Jesus? You guys have this authority, you have this power, da-da. Tell us where your rabbi is. We got to find, and they're all just crowding in wherever Jesus is. You know, he just, he's trying to get a report. You know, Thomas, tell me what happened. Matthew, tell me what happened. You know, Luke and uh, James and John, you guys tell me what happened. But there's so many people just coming in, crying out to him, needing his attention, needing this, needing that, asking him for this. Rabbi, teach us, help us, Rabbi. Can I have some, you know, can I have this? Can I have that? And he just says, there's so many people that they did not have a chance to eat. He said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. And I bet that they're just so excited about what they've seen that they don't want to stop. It's like this, the anointing is here. Let's keep this thing going. Dinner can wait. It can wait. And Jesus says, no, no, no. Listen, listen. Let's stop right here. Let's stop. Let's get away for a little bit. He says, come, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. We don't know where this is. But they all gather together, they push off, they leave the crowds behind, they're sailing, they're in, they're in, they're in Galilee now, they're in northern Israel now, in Galilee, they're on, on Lake Galilee or Lake Knesseret, kind of whichever translation you want to call it. And they sail away and um, just going somewhere. Jesus knows the great spots, he's got some ideas in mind, he wants to go. Verse 33, but many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. <laughs> and so they push off on their boat. People see, hey, they're heading south. They're heading west. Maybe they're going to, maybe they're going to this city. Maybe they're going to that city. Let's, let's go. Let's run ahead. I don't, I don't know how they do this. How do you run on foot and get the word out and beat Jesus who is really making a straight shot across the water? I don't know. I don't understand it. But basically, word has gotten out. So as soon as he lands, there's another crowd that's waiting there for him. As soon as, 
as soon as they walk away from one demand in life, there's another one that's waiting. It's like, can't catch a break. Can't catch a break. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. Verse 34 is an important verse. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them. The fuel for Jesus' ministry is, first of all, obedience to the Father. But I'd say undergirding all of that is a, is a, is a deep compassion for the people around him. He's the one who said, open up your eyes, look around, the harvest is white, the fields are white into harvest. Everywhere he goes, Jesus sees just such brokenness and desperation that it moves his heart to compassion. So when Jesus lands, I think even Jesus has a hope and an expectation for rest with his disciples. I don't think he's being manipulative here. I don't think the Spirit revealed to him what was going to happen. I think he truly wanted and needed rest with his disciples. But the demands of ministry were there on the other side. He gets out, his heart is moved with compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he began teaching them many things. Moms and dads, I know, that, I know that you're this way. Not all the time. Sometimes we lose it. But on our best days, we can be this way. We're tired. We're worn out from work. We're worn out from the day. You know, our kids have just lost their minds. You know, the house feels like it's falling down around us and we're tired. And the one thing in the world that we want to do is go get a shower and get into bed. And zone out with a book or a conversation or Netflix or whatever it is. And then your little one comes up to you and, please read me a book. Read me a story. Tell me a story. And I'll admit to you, some days I'm just, I can't. Like, no, go to bed. I can't. On my good days, I'm like, okay, one book. I like to think that's the spirit of Jesus in me that says that compassion that says, even though I'm tired, I will open up my heart to you again. He begins to teach them. Verse 35, by this time it was late in the day, so his disciples said to him, this is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. And it seems that there's a decision that has to be made for Jesus. It makes sense to send them away because his agenda was, was meeting the needs of his disciples, their physical needs, their emotional needs, spiritual needs. But the crowds are all here. He's been teaching them. It makes sense to send them away. The, the disciples were not being malicious here. They put up with this for a long time. They've been putting up with this for days. And it says, it says that, 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 the end, that after he had taught them all day long, they came to him and said, Jesus, it's late. Sun is going down. The disciples are thinking logically, practically, and there's nothing wrong with that. They're thinking, they're thinking about 
the need, the practical needs of the people. The last thing in the world that they need to be responsible for is 5,000 men, women, and children out here in a solitary place away from their homes at sunset with nothing to eat or nothing to drink. And so they say, send them away. Send the people away so that they can go to surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. I think there are times when we need, do need to choose solitude over serving people. Because Jesus does. There are times when he chooses that. I want you to notice, though, that his solitude is intentional solitude. He's not going and binging Netflix. It's intentional. He's reconnecting with the Father, his source of life. I wonder if you and I need to do that more. If you and I need to carve out time and say, listen, it's never going to be easy or convenient. But it's absolutely essential for my well-being to have solitude and time with the Lord. What we're going to see is that, is that Jesus is inviting us into a rhythm of ministry that can be unpredictable. We would all love to have a rhythm of life that's very predictable. How many of us would love to have days off that are truly predictable? Days off where you know nothing's going to happen, car's not going to break down, not going to have to deal with this, kids aren't going to lose their minds. I know that every Saturday I can wake up, tend to my little garden, have my little cup of coffee, you know, listen to my little podcast, have a little nap out in the hammock, grill a little steak out there, and go to bed at 10 o'clock. Wouldn't it be great if our downtime was so predictable that it was like that? But the truth is, is God has called us into a rhythm of ministry that's very unpredictable and in times very messy. It was for him. Even Jesus sometimes can't see, wasn't able to see these things coming. Remember, he was fully God, but also fully man. He had a limitation, a self-imposed limitation that he was only going to operate with what the Father allowed him to do. You know, so we are, we are as a church, we're going to be ministering in sort of some unpredictable situations where we don't always have the time that we need. We don't always have the time that we want. You know, it's not always a convenient time for ministry to happen. But Jesus says, I want you to, I want you to step into the rhythm with me. I'm going to help you navigate this. I know what your needs are, disciples. I know what your needs are, husband and wife, mom and dad. Trust me, because we're going to navigate these things together. And so let's look and see what happens. So there it is. Jesus said, I want you to come away with me. The disciples are in that mindset. Yay, we get to go with Jesus. Woo, retreat time. Come on. All of a sudden, the needs show up. The phone rings. Email comes in. Knock on the door. Somebody needs something. Quiet time interrupted. And our tendency is to say, Lord, send them away because I wanted to come away with you. And we feel this dichotomy of, of like, I want all of this to go so that I can really sort of connect in the way that I thought. And sometimes, sometimes it's, it's, it's good to say, it's not, it's not wrong to say that. Jesus doesn't rebuke them for that. He doesn't say, oh, you selfish disciples. How can, you know, all I think, he doesn't say that at all. This, this, this is okay. 
But I want sometimes, sometimes Jesus isn't going to change that circumstance. Sometimes he's going to use that circumstance in a means of blessing you and teaching you something else that you didn't know before and giving you an encounter that you didn't have before. You with me on this? Okay, so here's what happens. So they say, send them away. They wanted to come away. He says, send them away so they can go take care of their, their own needs. They've been waiting for this. Like, finally, Jesus, you ended your sermon. Let's go. Y'all feel that way about me sometimes. I know it's okay. Um, send the people away. But he answered this. You give them something to eat. Okay. This is the same guy that just a little bit before made them empty their pockets out. Remember, what do they have in their pockets? No bread, no money, no bag. And Jesus says, you give them something to eat. And they're like, I don't have any bread, Jesus, remember? You made us leave all of our provisions behind when we did this. He said, that would take more than, a, more than a half a year's wages. The math nerd among them did the math in his head. Uh, actually, Jesus, that would take, uh, you know, uh, approximately $35,000, $700 to feed them all, whoever that is. Are we, gonna, are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? Rhetorical question. Obviously, Jesus, we can't do that. But he answered, he said this, give them something to eat. He said, how many loaves do you have? He asked, go and see. How many loaves did they have? Technically none, because where did they go and get them from? Little boy. They had to bum food off a poor little kid there. Poor little kid in his lunch. You know, this little kid's looking forward to eating his lunch all day. He's waiting for the sermon to end so he could eat his little lunch. And the disciples come along and say, hey kid, how much you got in your little lunch pail? Uh, I don't know. You know, five loaves and some fish. It's a lot, of, a lot of food for a kid. How many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. They found out. They said five and two fish. Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. That's funny. Green grass. I wonder why that's in there. Every word means something, by the way another sermon. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves and he gave them to his disciples to distribute the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They ate, they all ate and were satisfied. Let me make a point about what he says to them in verse 37. He says, you give them something to eat. And I wrestled with that for a long time. For the longest time, I thought that Jesus was just sort of being, um, what's the word? I can't think of the word. Facetious, yeah, that's it. Come on, thank you. Yeah, like, he didn't really, he didn't really mean that. He just was being stupid, like, oh, hey, you guys give him something to eat. I'm, I'm wondering, the more I learn about Jesus, if... He was really giving them a challenge and wanting to see what they would do. Because keep in mind what they had just come out of. They had just come out of, of a season of supernatural ministry. They had just done miracles. Not just one, but many miracles. And he decides, Jesus decides in this moment, yeah, we didn't get away for a time of rest, but I'm going to teach you something anyway. 
He's going to use this as a, as a learning opportunity. He says, okay, disciples, there's a great need in front of you. Use the authority that I've given you and do something about it. And I wonder, I just wonder, if part of Jesus was half hoping that they would do the very thing that he does in the next several verses. You give them something to eat. And so they do, we all know this story, the miraculous feeding of 5,000. He sits them down, he breaks it up, and supernaturally the food multiplies until every belly is full. There's a part of the story, though, that's important too, verse 43. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. Leftovers. Man, I love leftovers. What's that? He said facetiously. He said I do love leftovers. I want to start a restaurant one day called Leftovers, and it's going to be nothing but a big room full of fridges and microwaves. <laughs> Five bucks, come on, get a plate, help yourself. So he feeds this crowd. The disciples are busy now serving, passing out bread, passing out fish to all these groups of 100 and groups of 50. And they begin to gather up what's left over. Hey, group, you guys want any more bread? No, okay, we'll put it in a basket. Hey, you guys, you know, you actually you have too much? Okay, well, I'll take back your, how many loaves do you have? Really? You've got that many loaves? What about, you got extra fish? But I gave you like, Wow, okay, well, give me your fish. Puts it in the basket. And up to Jesus comes 12 disciples, each of them carrying a basket of food. Y'all, that's, that's just deeply prophetic. Every need taken care of. Every need taken care of. I promise you, as you walk with the Lord, he will take care of every need that you have. I promise you. I have never had God let me down. Now, I may not look the way that I wanted at the moment, but in hindsight, I'm like, man, God, you know what you were doing there. All right, let me end with this. Matthew chapter 11. This is the invitation to a rhythm of ministry with Jesus. Musicians, you can come on up. Jamie and Jim, you guys can come on up, whoever. This is an invitation to a healthy rhythm of ministry for this season. I want you to hear this. We are going to keep talking about missions. We got some training coming up, City Quake coming up at the end of, the, end of July. We're just going to keep growing. We're going to keep doing this. We're going to keep doing kingdom stuff. Um, but, but hear me, that, we, that the Lord wants us to be in a healthy rhythm of ministry with, with Jesus. Matthew 11, verse 30 says this. Um, 
Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Anybody weary and burdened besides me this morning? So the words of Jesus, he says this, he says, look, come on. Come with me easily. If you're tired and overloaded, come to me and I'll give you rest, he says. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm gentle and humble in heart and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The yoke, that's farming language. Those of you, if you ever grew up on a farm, some of the older generation will know what that's like to, to have yokes. These are pieces of wood, carved pieces of wood that kind of shape like this, and they're made to sit on the back of an ox. And to the ends of the yoke are attached the cabling that pulls a plow or a wagon or whatever else. And it's that yoke that bears the weight and the pressure of all the work. And the ox then is pushing and, and pushing against this yoke to carry it. And Jesus is saying a couple things here. He's saying that the call to the kingdom is work. It's not easy. It's not effortless. It's not without struggle and pain. But it invites us to take his yoke upon us. And the cool thing, if you've ever seen these double yokes, it's got two of these and one in the middle. Those are meant for how many animals? It's meant for two. An ox side by side, one over here and one over here. And the old farmers would tell you that how do you train a new ox is you yoke him with an ox who's done this before. Paul refers to, to, to others as yoke fellows. It's a word that he uses. Someone that I am yoked together with. We are in this side by side together. You're pulling, I'm pulling, we're straining, but we are in this together. But Jesus says this. Jesus says, I want you to take my yoke upon on you. Come with me get side by side with me let's pull this together why because y'all listen i got an easy yoke i got a burden that's light do you know why it's easy and why it's light because jesus is doing most of the work y'all i'm just saying it's like it's like he's like this monster ox and i'm like this like scrawny little calf over here who can barely reach up to the yoke you know it's like if Cohen and I are like, you know, Josie, whatever, are doing some effort out there. We're carrying the wheelbarrow, and I've got the wheelbarrow here, and Lottie wants to come in. Dad, I want to help you. Okay, come on. You're going to help me. You know, she stands in here. She puts her hands on the wheelbarrow, and I pick it up. Who picks it up? Y'all, I pick it up. She doesn't. It weighs 100 pounds. But we're walking, and she's so excited. Cohen's so, and she's like, they're so excited. Look, Dad, look what I'm doing. Sometimes I'll let them drive in the car with me. If I'm going up and down the driveway or if I'm going down the barn, they'll sit in there, you know, and like they'll have their hand on the steering wheel. They get so excited because they're driving the car. They're not driving the car. I'm driving the car, you know? But there's such a joy in having them there because it's so easy for them. And Jesus says, come on. 
this is my burden, my yoke, but it's so light and it's so easy. So just if you're tired, if you're overwhelmed, feel like you're just pulling by yourself, come on, just yoke up with me and let me carry the weight. That's the invitation for ministry. It's his job, not ours. It's his work, not ours. He just says, let's do it together. And it may not look the way that we want. We may not get the rest that we want in the season that we want. But God says, hang in there. Watch what I'm going to do. I want to meet your needs. It may not look the, the, the way you think. But I'm going to meet your needs. I want to take care of you in the end. So let me stand up. I want to bless you. I want to bless those of us that need rest. That we're weary and overloaded. If that's you, I want you to just hold your hands out like this in a posture of receiving from the Lord. My hands are out. I'm in a posture of receiving for the Lord, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for your invitation to come away. Lord, we don't ask that you send away the difficulty. We just ask that that you come alongside of us so we can be together in this. We lay down our burdens, the ones that we've been carrying on our own. saying is that for many of us there are things that we're trying to solve in our own wisdom we're trying to figure out next steps in our own wisdom and what I sense the Lord saying is for us to instead of seeking to find answers we just begin to give thanks and worship and praise in the spirit to him whenever we sense that coming up in our own mind we're trying to sort things out the Lord says just hear my voice just rest in me hear the Lord saying that's not easy to do but the more that you do it you're going to train yourself train your heart and your spirit to be a step in step with me just coming along and unhooking things from many of us disconnecting cabling from many of us that are pulling on things that we don't need to pull on I see the Lord just disconnecting those I see someone that has just a load and on the load it's marked anxiety about the future anxiety about the fall and the new school year the Lord is just disconnecting that for respectability, the desire for approval is written on. I see the Lord just disconnecting that from someone. The Lord says that's not your burden to carry. The approval of others, the affirmation of others.
is written over protection of our children. Lord says it's not a burden that we're to carry right now. Being overly concerned with their well-being and their every need. ahead too much. We're straining at the, at the yoke. The Lord is inviting us to slow down and allow him to set the pace for it. We're getting ahead of him. So Father, we just pray for rest in this season, Lord, for your church. I pray you'd bring us, Lord, to places of solitude with you. Even in the midst of the demands of life, Lord, we will get away. So Jesus, we just receive your words. We believe your words. We take you at your word where you say, come to me, all who are weary and overloaded. Receive your rest for our souls, Lord. We choose to take your burden and lay down our own. We choose to take your yoke and lay down our own.